from the 2023 NFL Combine, this is Patriots Unfiltered. What's up, everybody? It's a very special edition, episode one, I guess, of Patriots Unfiltered at the Combine. It's Mike Dussault, it's Evan Lazar, uh, no Paul, no Fred, not your usual PU crew, uh, just us, the nerds who love the Combine and, and are digging into the prospects. So day one here today, uh, this is a little bit of a longer podcast so we can chat, talk about the prospects, Ev. Uh, let's just start off at the top. I mean, I feel like we got to talk about the big news of the day with Jalen Carter, which is certainly going to affect things for the Patriots at 14th overall. This has a domino effect on the entire draft, and we talked about it in our little debrief that we do as well, but you look at the Patriots now at 14, how does this shake up 1 through 13 is going to be something that we're probably going to talk about with this story as awful as what actually happened is there is a football element to it and if Jalen Carter is now out of the first round mix because of this situation then it has a trickle down effect on the Patriots that's just the reality and I think if you really look in the top five a team like the Chicago Bears picking number one overall now Will Anderson you have to come away with Will Anderson like there's no way if you're not going to draft a quarterback and you're sticking with Justin Fields then you have to come away with Will Anderson so now you're really talking about three being the floor for Chicago. You can't go down to four because now you're missing out on the best non-quarterback in the draft. So it's going to be a very interesting change-up to some of the mock drafts and things like that now. If Jalen Carter is out of the picture, how does it shake up one through five and then have a trickle-down effect on the rest of the draft? Yeah, it still felt to me like there's going to be some kind of trickle-down effect even when he was in the mix. Um, because it's just, I mean, we look at these groups today and we can talk about, you know, how much of a need is edge. And, you know, I know it's it's a little bit nebulous how they play. You look yeah. at Matthew Judon as an outside linebacker. And then you kind of look at Dietrich Wise on the other side, you know, and he's more of a hand-down guy. Right. Just how they play. Um, not the biggest need. Uche, Anthony Jennings. We got, hey, Ronnie Perkins still Ronnie's on the still, roster. He's still on <laughs> the, we had to look that one up. <laughs> Never going to know for sure. But it seems like they have pretty good depth. I, I still find it. Um, intriguing just to look at these guys because these are the playmakers. These are the guys on defense that you, you have to game plan for. And, you know, maybe if there is a day late day two, day three kind of project right. guy that projects well, maybe, maybe they do take a chance, but it doesn't seem like the biggest need right now. This is a reality of their situation where they have so many immediate holes on the roster that these year too early needs are not needs that they can prioritize anymore at the top of the draft. I think a few years ago, and maybe this, unfortunately, being frank about it, I think at one once upon a time they were very good at being out in front of these types of situations, but now they almost don't have that benefit because, unfortunately, they are in a position where they have some immediate holes. Tackle, receiver, corner, outside corner certainly, I think, come first before edge. Now, next offseason, we have a real conversation about whether or not they are going to pony up for Josh Uche. And I think a lot of Uche's numbers, similar to a guy like J.C. Jackson, for example, maybe, the team might view as a little bit inflated by Judon getting extra attention, score, right, late in games, and he's pinning his ears back because they're up against Arizona, and he ends up logging two sacks late in the game. Like, those types of things they are going to look at in terms of his value, and are they going to pay a player that has not developed in the run game, really just a passing downs player, and Josh Uche, are they going to pay him? So, in reality, it's probably not a need that they can address early, uh, but if it's best player available and they're on the clock at 14, and Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is still sitting there for some reason, 
it's going to be a conversation that we're going to have. That's a great guy you brought up, and he was somebody that I listened to a lot today and just had uh, something about him to me. You know, that just sometimes you see these guys, and, and I, you know, and probably a lot of times I'm wrong on these kind of things, but, you know, some guys just give you a vibe of, like, this guy is a serious, serious football player. Uh, Keon White was another one that I just kind of listened to. I know we've had some discussions about him. I think, uh, was it Daniel Jeremiah, I believe, like, named him as one of the fits, which I was kind of, yeah. you know, a Patriots fit. Wasn't, um, you know, not a guy that jumped out to me initially, but um, once you kind of hear him talk, though, you see them, you get a sense of them. I'm like, I, I could kind of see these guys fitting into the locker room, but both of them probably gone before the Patriots are going to invest in a pick on that position. Yeah, Tyree Wilson should be a top 10 pick. But I think the one thing that you look at with him, he's one of the most physically strong like just alphas in this draft. Yeah, he manhandles like guys at the point of attack. But the issue I think what you see with him is that he's not an overly uh, bendy edge rusher. He doesn't have great flexibility, great bend to turn a tight corner. And when you project to the league nowadays, the guys that are putting up great numbers in the pass rushing uh, statistics are the Uche types that are just these screamers off yeah. the edge that have great flexibility, turn that tight corner and get the quarterback. Guys that have to go through tackles are not necessarily as easily projectable yeah. into the NFL. So I, if that's the way the league sees it as well, then maybe he could slip down just a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Keon. I, I didn't see it with him. I, I, I did watch his film before yeah. we got here, and I saw a really uh, well-rounded, solid football player. But I think if you're drafting in the top 50, I, I would like a little bit more upside. I think he would be a good pro for them on his rookie contract, but I don't know if he's a game-changing player. Kind of like what I think they were hoping they were going to get out of Jennings. Mm -hmm. You know, Uche was sort of the upside right, guy. balance each other. Right. right. And Jennings was sort of just the steady Eddie. Yeah. I, I kind of look at White like that. Yeah, this makes sense. Uh, you know, so just to run down with a few guys, I mean, they just rattled them off here quick today. Defensive linemen, linebackers, and then defensive linemen as well. Um, you know, a couple guys just to highlight. We talked to a lot of the Shrine Bowl guys, you know, guys who really appreciated that experience with the Patriots coaches. Brenton Cox uh, from Florida being one of those guys in the famous picture of, you know, Bill showing them a yeah. little bit about hand placement. Um, you know, another guy that, that I thought really, uh, you know, kind of stood out to me was Isaiah Moore. I was a Shrine Bowl guy, but just he seemed like, and, and it, was, it was one that had slipped through the cracks as far as like, oh, shoot, why are all the Patriots reporters standing over that guy? And they're like, oh, is that, oh he was in the Shrine Bowl. Um, but he went into a little bit more detail, very complimentary of Brian Belichick. Um, you know, just overall, everybody seemed to take a lot from the Patriot coaching staff in Las Vegas with the Shrine Bowl. There was a couple of guys like Isaiah Moore. Uh, I, I really like Tyrese Wheat, who we spoke to a little bit, too. I think Wheat is more of an on-the-line player, edge defender, than an off-ball linebacker. He's pretty I'm, serious, too. More. It's <laughs> Moore is going to be an off-ball linebacker. I, I think with Wheat, when we were talking to him, I, I tried to ask him a couple different questions in a couple different ways. Mm. I think he knows the Patriots like him a little bit, and I don't think he really wanted to, to burn that bridge by going out in the media and saying, yeah, I, I, the Patriots love me, huh? You know, so I, I think that there there is some a little bit of uh, lip service there. But uh, with Moore, he wasn't somebody that initially stood out to me at Shrine Bowl practice, watching practices live. Uh, but when I watched some of the, the uh, drills back after practice, because um, I, I had they hyped him up during the game broadcast. 
And I was like, really? Like, this is a guy that they really thought stood out? Like, I didn't see it, and neither did uh, did Alex Barth. And then I went back and watched. I was like, all right, yeah, I can see how they can see that sort of positionally sound. He's in the right spots and against the run, a gap sound player that can come downhill and take on blocks and do the Patriot thing. But we're going to talk about it a little bit, I think, when we get to some of the bigger-name linebackers in this draft. At some point in time, they, they do need to evolve a little bit at that spot. And uh, Isaiah Moores, you know, I, I like him. I like the Anthony Orgy from uh, Vanderbilt that we hyped up a little bit during Shrine Bowl week. Uh, those guys are good players, I think, for what they would normally want. Uh, but at what point in time does what they normally want become a thing of the past? I, I think that's an honest conversation. They it, have is a have. Good, it is a good question. And it's, you know, and they're kind of, I don't want to say they're stocked right now with strong safety because you obviously have Kyle Duggar coming to the end and Adrian Phillips is now 30. And, you know, right. you saw his role evolve a little bit this year. We know we're still waiting on Devin McCourty. I mean, I take Jabril Peppers back. He plays with a bad attitude. And I, I just like that aggressive, we all love you know, a little bit yeah. over the top. Like, whoa, 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 hold on, Jabril. Um, really <laughs> like him. But it, it's a great question. And I mean, I, I was curious just to kind of hear Drew Sanders today. Uh, he was one that said, you know, he has played inside outside, but said, I think I'm more of an inside guy. Um, I just I just wonder if they're going to pull the trigger on a guy like that when you've got Bentley back for a year. It seems like they could probably have Bentley back for a few years if they wanted to even extend him further after resigning him to a two year deal last year. Jelani Tavai signs a multi-year deal with them. They clearly have some plans for him as well. Both of them kind of fit the old mold. Um, but I, I, between Drew Sanders uh, is one, and then the other is Trenton Simpson. I feel like those are kind of the first round off-the-ball potential guys. Not a great draft class, but yeah. what do you see from those guys? So I didn't love what I saw from Simpson. I think that Simpson, to me, is a more linear athlete. It is, that didn't have great change of direction from what I could see, and uh, more of just that straight-line thumper uh, that I think has some Nick Bolton from Kansas City in him which I know is a big name right now from the Super Bowl so I think he's got that type of uh, build you know kind of more of a stocky guy and then he's got this great explosive straight line speed Sanders really intrigues me because at Arkansas uh, they lined him up in all three locations that the Patriots love to use linebackers in line over the guards edge off the ball right kind of that Kyle Van Noy type of role where they move him around and have different angles to get him after the quarterback or drop or whatever the case may be and he also served a lot in the middle of the field as a spy or even just like in a low zone but with eyes on the quarterback and against Alabama he had quite a few I want to say two or three times came streaking across the field and tackled Bryce Young on scrambles and when that happened, uh, there's one in particular where I think that he actually got uh, a sack technically in the box scores, like one of those you know half yard sacks. Yeah. And uh, but it was an imp- it went you know middle of the field all the way out to the sideline, and he's able to beat him to the corner and, and get Bryce Young on the ground. Uh, those types of plays, I think you look at them and you say, all right, you know that's something that they could uh, potentially use. And the one other guy I would mention, uh, other than those two, Jack Campbell from Iowa. I was Iowa. just going to bring him up. Great. He, to me, is not necessarily the freak athlete that people might want at that spot but instinctually this is a really instinctual player like he understands what he's looking at Uh, he understands alignments and uh, splits and formations and how to 
pre-snap diagnose what defense or excuse me offenses are maybe doing and he had a great play against Ohio State in coverage uh, where he took a slant away over the middle of the field forced uh, CJ Stroud to hold the ball and they ended up getting a strip sack because Stroud had nowhere to go with the football like those are the types of plays that you see with him on film I think he might take some people by surprise uh, with his athleticism maybe not in the 40 but if he runs the agility drills I think he's going to test really well in that that three cone yeah. that we know that <laughs> they love the shuttle the three cone stuff like that yeah he caught my attention today and, and again uh, you know a player I kind of like you know reviewed and didn't really initially like star him or anything but just listen to him talk and you know you you brought it up he was kind of describing what he's expecting in the NFL in terms of you know I might have to one play tackle Nick Chubb and then the next play I'm dropping in coverage and I'm on Tyreek Hill you know right. just explaining all the different things that a player like him uh, could possibly do for a defense so you know I underlined some guys today he was one of them go back take a look at them see you know is, is there something there um, but you just laid it out really well all podium teams right? all podium we're, team we're, I he's, know. he's up there I think Nolan Smith from Georgia too is another well, all let's podium talk about him I know guy. well so he gave a long one there were some tears uh, <laughs> very well spoken yeah um, I, I mean I, I think my thing with him you can tell me what you think. I just felt like he was light. Like it's just I didn't know how he fit into the Patriots system. And you know, for an edge player, it's hard to see him for whatever he is, 220 in that range, being an edge player for them, maybe an off-the-ball guy. Um, but he had a lot to say today, so I yeah. kind of felt like I was listening to Matthew Slater for a minute. Uh, he had that added. He's a statesman, right? Like he was. Uh, he owned the room. People were gravitating towards his podium because it, they could just hear the fire that he was talking with. And he was just a very well-spoken, very motivated, passionate type of football player. You can tell he loves football and he just lo wants to be good at it and wants to work hard at it. I, I agree with you that he's a little bit of a of an anomaly, like a tweener, you know, it, almost where uh, he played a lot at Georgia with his hand in the dirt. And I don't think he's going to be heavy enough to play hand in the dirt role in the NFL. But the one thing that you can definitely say about him, a uh, really good first step off the ball, certainly can fire into gaps or fire around the edge and he's just one of those guys that is like slithery like yeah. it's just hard yeah. to block him Slippery. sometimes you know like yeah. you just you're kind of like how did he get through but he like sort of does get through uh so he's one of those instinctive like nose for the football kind of guys so uh, just a good football player and i i always wonder why they don't draft more from the Georgia defense, yeah. A, because it's an awesome defense. Yeah, they're all gone by the top 12. <laughs> but B, because they do run a Saban-Belichick style yeah. system. That's what, And that's what he talked about. I heard him yeah. saying, you know, we're very much about team defense there. Yeah. And, I mean, we saw it last year, uh, you know, with the top pick overall. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. And uh, um, you know, to Jacksonville, or was a yeah. guy who you know didn't really have a position. Walker, thank yeah. you, Trevon Walker. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting. One more guy I wanted to bring up to you, Evan, because yes. we were both standing around him was Ivan Pace. Um, I just yeah. thought he was an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, you know, people were questioning him about his you know his size to take on guards, and he's you know just talking about running right through guys. Uh, I don't know what's there, but he just seemed like kind of an interesting guy to hear talk. So there was a rep at the Senior Bowl. I actually asked him about it during the game, where he went right through the guard, and it was almost like a butt fumble because he hit the guard into the running back yeah. and the running back fell with the ball in his hands like he tackled the running back through the guard he, he, he like threw the guard back into it and I just remember watching that and I was like whoa all right that's some serious play strength and the guard that he tossed was uh uh Osiris Torrance, mm -hmm. who's going to be oh, a first-round yeah. player. Gardner. So this isn't about, like, some UDFA, right? Like, this is a, a really uh, good, uh, sometimes consensus 
interior offensive lineman one in this draft yeah. that he's just throwing like a rag doll. Uh, so I think that there's definitely something there. And we talked about maybe edge linebacker uh, being a position further down the board for them. I think Pace could be like a fourth round guy that yeah. they could get their hands on on day three. Special teams madman, right? That's yeah, exactly, exactly what they need. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, last thing I kind of want to bring up here just in terms of this position group. And again, it's you know probably not the most interesting day. I think the next three days are going to be really fascinating for us. Positions in need. Because of kickers position. tomorrow, right? Right, exactly. Jake yes. Moody. I mean, we got to get in on that. But um, it's just I feel like this is a pretty good day three, late day two kind of nose tackle class. And, you know, not the sexiest position, but it's certainly one that the Patriots need. You've seen Carl Davis do, you know, a pretty good job. We had some inconsistency in terms of penalties, jumping off sides a couple times, I know, uh, in some big moments. But, I mean, I think he's been a pretty solid player. But, you know, you mentioned P.J. Mustafer was one yeah. that, that we Penn mentioned State, on the wrap-up. Yes. Uh, as a good one. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not sure where exactly Coastal Carolina and uh, Brighton's own uh, guy is going to land here uh, with Gerard Clark, who I talked to and was great and was a big Patriots fan. Um, those are just two to mention. I mean, there's there's also the other thing that always confused me, Evan. I don't know about you with this, um, but there's like a couple guys that all have the same name. There's like two, three different guys that have the same name, but I think there's like Byron Youngs. There's like two Byron there's Youngs. There's two Byron Youngs. And, and I, one's from Tennessee, me. one's from Alabama. I like them both, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's two Byron Youngs. So the other guy that I would mention, uh, I think it's I Ica. Uh, is how you pronounce it. You might have the. Uh, I, I got I got pronunciations here. Yeah. Um, uh, From uh, Ica. Uh, now I'm blanking on the school, of course. But he's more. Uh, I'll find it. So the the guy that I see in his game is kind of Danny Shelton esque. Where remember when the Patriots originally got Danny Shelton? Oh, Siake yeah. Apu Ica. Yeah. Yeah. Remember where does he go to school again? Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Uh, when they got Danny Shelton. They thought he was a three-four, two-gapping nose tackle. Yeah, he's like a, it's upfield guy, right? And he's a he's, he's like a, a big gap fat upfield guy. Yeah. And I remember Bill Belichick talking about that that they they had it wrong the first year, and then he came back. I remember Shelton had a yeah. really good second season with the Patriots, and I look at I look at the Baylor kid as as very similar type of player. Where this is a three hundred and sixty pound dude. But he's an up-the-field player. He's not a yeah. hold-the-point-of-attack type of player. So I think it's really interesting because the, the league is certainly trending away from nose tackles. Like three, four, two-gapping nose tackles yeah. is, a, is really a thing of the past, except for a handful of three, four teams that still play those odd fronts and need that guy to eat stuff in the middle of the the Patriots are still one of those teams. Like yeah. they really are. Uh, so I, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think this comes back to the linebacker thing too, though. At some point, I I don't necessarily need them to go to a four three, but a more attacking three four might yeah. be where the league as a whole is trending for those odd front teams. Just because you got to be able to get after the quarterback and you have to be able to stop the pass, and it's not about gap control and you know integrity and all that kind of stuff as much anymore. So maybe he's somebody that is a little bit of both, right? You can still do a little bit of both of those things. I think things. it's tough with those two gaps, too, because early downs, I just feel like you're not likely to get pressure up the middle. And it's most likely if a team wants to throw on you on first down and you got your base defense out there with nose tackle, they're going to have a pocket to work with out yeah. of it. You know, and then the quick passing game just kills you. I don't know. We always wonder what, what kind of scheme evolution is going to happen. I, we're, we're talking here linebackers, speedy linebackers, penetrating defensive ne tackles. Never going to happen. And never going to happen. They're probably going to stick to what usually works for, for them. Um, anything else, Ev, that I missed today worth pointing out? Guys that, that we didn't mention, um, again, you know, it's just one of those tough couple of spots where – you don't know what they need, and you're not quite sure uh, yeah, if they're going to tap any of these in the first two days. I don't know if you were going here yet, but I, 
the edge defenders, we did ask a bunch of the edge rushers uh, about who were the toughest tackles that you faced. So I actually asked Will Anderson, who might now be the number one pick in the yeah. draft, and I asked him, who's the toughest tackle that you faced last year? And he mentioned Darnell Wright from Tennessee. And he had, Darnell Wright had a fantastic game against Will. Basically shut out Will Anderson, the number one pick in the draft. And every single step along the way with Darnell Wright, whenever he plays top competition, Will Anderson, uh, Clemson's guys, you know, just senior bowl, he just dominated. He dominated good competition. He's not the most uh, consistent or refined player quite yet, but whenever the lights were brightest, that he played lights out. And he's a right tackle. He's 345, 340. See what he weighs in here. But he's that Patriot bulldozer on the right side, right? Like that's yeah. him and Onwenu on the same side of the line. They will push people off the ball with ease in short yardage situations. Well, I mean, what we're kind of looking for is a Sebastian Vollmer. And we've been spending some yeah. time here. Yeah. Sebastian Vollmer's yeah. been working with Talking Patriots. Talking some 70s com. protections. It's been great. <laughs> he's, he's given us a little insight, but he's been doing a lot of work for, for the Germany game that's going to be this fall and, and all that. So it's been kind of fun. You know, we're like, geez, why, how can we find the next Sebastian Vollmer? I know there's talk of, oh, we need a left tackle and a right tackle. It's like even if you could lock down just the right side, right. you know, and, and get one thing figured out this year, that would be great. Uh, Quick preview tomorrow, cornerbacks, special teams. I mentioned Jake Moody. I mean, we'll go talk to him. the Shrine Bowl MVP. Yeah. Patriots, you know, long-term need always. Um, but the cornerbacks. And I just think this is a, a big position in need, and I'm kind of torn because on one hand I feel pretty good about how well they coach up cornerbacks, how well they find them in lower rounds and even undrafted guys. Now that said, I'm gonna actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue just for a second into a conversation that I've been kind of bringing up a couple times that I think is interesting in that you know Patriots had 60 sacks last year they were 22nd in third down defense and you know just wh wh where's that disconnect it was a conversation that we're having over a couple beers out here in Indy that's what we do right we, we, yeah. we talk more football um, but you know I think we both kind of are in agreement that maybe what's missing is really that elite corner to put on that top option to slow everything down as much as I, I want to believe that a pass rush can overcome you know lack of coverage deficiencies uh, it seems like this might be a spot where hey let's go get a talented guy up near the top and I think there's plenty of picks that could possibly make sense uh, in the top 14 we'll see him tomorrow it's always the the age-old debate pass rush or coverage Right. And PFF and places like that have done deep dives <laughs> yeah. and analytical deep dives into this. And I think the bottom line is, is that to have a really good defense, you got to have both. Like it's not one or the other. You truly have to have both. And I think that there's a school of thought in the league now that corners are maybe a little bit overvalued in the market. And if you have yeah. those great pat like you look at a defense like San Francisco, who are the corners that you can really name? You know, Ward right. probably, Javarius Ward. Uh, but they're really about Bosa in the, in the front, right? Yeah. So hey, that, that's, that's hey I think, a conversation. But I think when you face these great quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, the guys the Patriots are going to have to go through, Joe Burrow, of course, you're going to eventually get into third and seven. It's going to be our guys against your guys. And who can win a one-on-one? -on -one. Yeah. And – Right now, not only do I think the Patriots are punching above their weight in some of these battles across the board, they also don't have great body types. Yeah. You know, they don't have Short. great diversity there. It's all these undersized guys. So uh, this draft, I think other than tight end, I would say the deepest position group in this draft is corner. So and let me ask you another question is you know I'm trying to wrap it up, but I also this is another philosophical question is is you know when you say that there's a deep position group generally, does it make sense to say 
well, then we can just get one of the middle ones and that'll be good enough. Or do you say it's a deep group? Let's get the best of the deep group. You know, I, that's a philosophical question I have as well. It's a good question. And they, ha I would say, tend to go towards the let's get the third or fourth right. round yeah, guy. They're just as good. Down, they're just yeah. as good type of thing. The, the old uh, clusters, right? You know, we have a bunch of guys in the same cluster. Yeah. I, I love Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who we're going to talk to tomorrow. Is probably it's the like top specimen, cor right? top corner in the draft, besides maybe Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. is a little bit smaller. Uh, Gonzalez checks every box he's six foot two extremely fluid guy can play man can play zone can play off can play on like he can do everything like everything that you would want him to do I I, I really like his game but there's it's fair I, Deontay Banks from Maryland uh, Julius Brents uh, from Kansas State some guys that I've hyped up already in this process they, those guys can play too now Brents is uh, or excuse me uh, Banks is somebody that I we've heard whispers might run like a low four three and so maybe all of a sudden he's somebody that at 46 is a real conversation. If he runs that well at six foot two, 205 pounds, that's incredible. That's incredible speed. So we'll see. I, there's a lot of really good corners in this draft. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. is another name we yeah, got to mention. We can't take him though. <laughs> you got to mention him, but I could go on and on. I mean, about I, this I just I got to point out too. I mean, I've watched some of Devin Witherspoon. That guy's got more big hits. Like he just oh, comes yeah. flying into the back room, backfield, crushing guys. It's it's fun to watch. I'm not sure exactly how it all matches up, but but certainly a need, and, and I'll be curious how much they put into it. So I think that'll do it for us. I don't know if yes. we have anything else to add, uh, but we will certainly be back tomorrow, and I think there'll be even more to discuss. And, and certainly as the testing starts to happen, we'll have another layer to discuss because it's one thing to talk to these guys as, as dudes, and a lot of them seem like great dudes. I mean, I, Gerard Clark, I'm like, I'll hang out with this guy. He's awesome. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's about what happens on the field. So uh, excited to see the DBs. Then Friday we got quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, Last but not least, the, the offensive line at the end. So we'll, we'll get to get, get a look at some of those guys, too. And we will be back every day with a podcast here to, to kind of talk all these things out in a slow, relaxed environment. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow.